We are talking once again with Jav Parrish and Maria Tomchik, local writers and activists, here to give us a wrap-up of this past week's news. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. A um, busy week, sort of, uh, in terms of city council and the mayor. The mayor made his State of the City address this week, which I'm sure you're all glued to your screens watching. He did. On Tuesday, he uh, went He went and addressed the members of the city council to give his State of the City address. And he started off, I thought this was interesting, he started off with a quote by playwright George Bernard Shaw. And interestingly, he didn't mention, of course, that uh, for most of his life, Shaw was a socialist, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And the quote that he used, I'm pretty sure is misattributed to Shaw. I don't think that's actually a real quote. It's also, I think, really important to remember that uh, George Bernard Shaw wasn't a politician and that much of what he wrote was meant to be satire. So I'm going to give you a real quote from George Bernard Shaw. Okay. Here's a real quote from him. He knows nothing and he thinks he knows everything. That points clearly to a political career. <laughs> that, that's a quote from his, and that's a quote from his play Major Barbara. And that's I'm, a real shock. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that that was not the quote that Harold led off with. <laughs> no, it was not. So, uh, <laughs> Harold's speech was a look at the past year. And of course, a list also of what he wants to focus on for 2023. And there are five main items that he mentioned in his speech. And I'm just going to go down the, the list here. So first off, he talked about downtown revitalization. Okay. And of course, he's allied with the Downtown Business Association. So downtown and the concerns of the local business community are going to come first in his speech, right? Those concerns, of course, and point to one thing, and that's safety. Uh, and this is this is a direct quote from Harold's speech. Quote, last year, I announced we were bringing city employees back to the office, and I'm very pleased that employers like Amazon recognize coming back to work downtown is a great thing. I embrace the proposition that we must make it safe for them as more employees return, end quote. <clears throat> So oh, that, no, I, no, 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 no. I'm on the yeah. anti-safe bandwagon. Yeah. So that that's the centerpiece right there of the Harold administration's goals really is uh, revitalizing downtown, 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 downtown and, and public safety. Right. Now, and, he also, and, and downtown is not safe specifically because there's icky homeless people there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he also says that his focus on downtown doesn't, quote, come at the expense of other neighborhoods, end quote. But I think maybe Tammy Morales, at least, might disagree with that. So uh, she's the chair of the Neighborhoods Committee. Now, uh, his second item on his list was, of course, public safety, <laughs> as if he didn't, you know, say enough of that when he was talking about downtown. Um but he had to go on and specifically praise the Seattle Police Department's recruitment and retention policies. And then uh, he said that he's going to finally release his public safety plan in the coming weeks. And he took the opportunity to finally say that that plan will include a civilian 911 response team that he's going to be call, calling the uh, Civilian Assisted Response and Engagement Department or CARE Department, which... Kind, I don't know. 
I see something like that and I'm like, okay, make me gag, right? Now, he expects to share the details of the civilian response team with the city council soon, which is good because we've been waiting a long time for the Herald administration to release this plan and it would be nice to get this up and running soon. And uh, Harold said that a pilot program will be launched later this year with the goal of having it up and running by the end of the year. So remember, it was the summer of 2020 when protesters and community groups pushed the city council to start talking about alternatives to policing and start working on alternatives to policing. And here it is, 2023. And uh the mayor is finally saying, yes, we we are we are going to release a plan where we're going to have a pilot program for a civilian 911 response team. So that gives you some idea of how uh, uh, quick and, and nimble <laughs> the uh, city government is. So the third item on Harold's list was homelessness and housing. But he didn't have very much new to say other than that he wants the city to continue funding affordable housing and making changes to the design review process to make it easier for developers to build affordable housing. Uh, he mentioned the upcoming update to the city's comprehensive plan, which um, under state law is required to be done by 2024. Uh, and that's a that's an opportunity for the city to make changes to uh to things like zoning, to to uh, goals for housing development. Uh, and Harold said that his administration is working on a new housing levy for this year's ballot because the current housing levy expires at the end of this year. But those are already pretty much known factors, so there really was nothing new for him to report there. Uh, the fourth item on his list was transportation. Harold said that the city would soon be releasing a plan to reach the goals of Vision Zero. And uh, later in the week, the Seattle Transportation Department, they released a review, a top to bottom review of Vision Zero. Mm -hmm. And the Vision Zero plan, of course, is uh, trying to reach the goal of zero traffic deaths and injuries in Seattle. Now, Harold mentioned that Tam mentioned Tammy Morales's name in regards to this, but he didn't say anything about transportation equity, which, as far as I can tell, is really the centerpiece of Morales's push on Vision Zero. Right. It's kind of like. And, and also that there's a lot more pedestrian deaths per capita in the South End, in part because there are so few sidewalks. Right. Right. So that's transportation equity right there. And it's kind of like Bruce Harrell only got half the message, if that, <laughs> you know, from Tammy Morales's uh, presentations. Harold uh, then went on to mention Sound Transit 3 to bring light rail to Ballard and West Seattle. Uh, but there really was no new other new items in the category of transportation. He just kind of threw it out there like, yeah, something, th something that's happening. <laughs> yeah, something that I don't have a lot of impact on. Or, or control over, it's just kind of happening. Yeah, but but if you want to give me credit for it, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, again, another thing that's happening, his fifth point, was the environment. He talked a little bit about clean <laughs> buildings. Yeah, he talked a little bit about progress that the city is is going through to, to push for uh, developers to build clean buildings. And uh, he talked about the you climate know, all, resilience all the, hubs. All, all the stuff that the city council did before he became mayor. Yeah. And the uh, climate resilience hubs, you know, the places for people to go when it's too hot out or too cold. 
And then Harrell said he would be issuing an executive order to preserve and plant more trees in Seattle. Can we back up a sec? Did he Mm -hmm. call those client resilience hubs? Climate. Oh, climate. I'm sorry. Sorry. If you, if I wasn't, um, no, 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 that's fine. I was just thinking, man, that, that is really hubs. twisting it into a business concept, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Climate resilient hubs. Okay. And so, uh, so did he issue an executive order, um, you know, ordering the climate to behave? No. <laughs> No, he didn't. It does seem to be his style, though. Yeah. Take something that he has absolutely no control over a relationship to. And, and, you know, the executive order to plant more trees in Seattle. Uh, That's good. Now, now, now. (laughs) So that was. Wait wait a minute. I'm I'm unclear on this uh concept. Uh, yeah, so I mean, who's going to disagree with planting more trees, right? one One of the reasons for urban deforestation is rampant gentrification and the city's and some would say increasing lack, density but yes, i don't and, necessarily agree and with and, that. The, and the city's complete lack of assistance in the design review process with allowing developers to build all the way to the lot lines, lot lines. all the way to the yeah. sidewalks and not have any set asides <laughs> where you know trees can be preserved mm-hmm. uh, they'll get torn down but he's going to allow the developers to tear down the trees and then we'll replant some, which in 20 or 30 years will actually become urban foliage. Yeah, I think a real uh, uh, forestation program for the city would involve setting aside areas, larger areas for parks and uh, more green spaces rather than simply saying, you know, I'm, we're going to put incentives in place for for developers to protect trees or to plant new, you know, deciduous trees, you know, taking, yeah, gonna, taking out native trees and putting in new deciduous trees. I yeah, don't think we're, that that's we're going to we're going to put in new two foot high uh, twigs in median mm-hmm. strips. That's, yeah. We're going to put in these little decorative mini trees or whatever. So we'll have to see, you know, what that executive order involves. Um, I, I'm not super hopeful. I'm we're, guessing it's probably, you know, hey, here's some credits or, or you know, here's some incentives for developers. We're going to plant trees that look a lot like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. So that was the gist of his speech. Downtown revitalization, a civilian 911 response team that's coming, but the city council has been doing a ton of work on that already city council and the, the uh, 911 call center have, have already been kind of working to get something started in that regard. Uh, the housing levy, the upcoming housing levy, which yes, that is something that uh, Harold's administration uh, is working on and uh, has been working on for a while. And the uh, let's plant more trees. All right. Well, that's, um, Sounds like a really robust program he's got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but right. it's only it's only been a year. We'll we'll give yeah. him that. Yeah, it's only been a year. He's still hiring. <laughs> All right. So moving on, we do have uh, some council races coming up uh, in August. 
This week, to not much attention, uh, Dan Strauss confirmed that he will seek re-election to his District 6 city council seat in northwest Seattle, which is interesting. It's like I barely – I didn't see hardly any mention of it anywhere in the media. It's almost like – it's almost like the uh, big local newspaper and the and the TV stations were like, oh, ho-hum, who's he? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and mind you, this is exactly the second city council person who's running for re-election. Uh, no, the third. Tammy, third. Moral- Tammy Morales and Andrew Lewis are running. Oh, that's right, Andrew and, Lewis. And, uh, yeah. I forgot forget, Andrew Lewis. <laughs> don't forget my representative, yeah. And, uh, and now Dan Strauss. So he's running – running for re-election district six. And then a couple of other candidates have filed this week that uh, I know something about. One is Phil Tavel. He's running again in district one. Uh, he ran against Lisa em- Herbold. Em- emphasis again. Yeah. yeah, again. Yeah, this is his third run. He ran against Lisa Herbold in 2015 and didn't make it through the primary. And then he ran again in 2019 and lost in the general election. His biz- biggest issue was uh, supporting the Seattle Police Department, uh, but he was also pro-business. He was supported by the Chamber of Commerce, and he wanted the city to spend more on uh, tackling homelessness without raising any new taxes. So kind of your standard Republican talking points. Yeah, or building any new housing. Now, uh in District 3, Alexander Cooley announced that he is running. He's the co-founder of Solstice, a cannabis producer. His main issue is legalizing all drugs and heavily taxing them, and that would include psychedelics, heroin, cocaine, and meth. Uh, he was a key supporter of the movement to get the state and city to decriminalize and then legalize marijuana. Cooley argues that the extra tax revenue could be used to transition people off the street and uh, into permanent housing and then pay for things like mental health and drug treatment programs for those folks who have an issue with uh, with uh, overuse of drugs. So and I think that might be going legalization of all drugs might be going a little too far for even the mo- most liberal uh, voters in Seattle. Could be now. Some, you know, I think, I think, I think a lot of, I think a lot of folks on the left here in 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 Seattle would say that, you know, legalizing psychedelics wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, maybe even allowing heroin addicts to manage their uh, addictions through, you know, building some safe injection sites, mm-hmm. uh, as the city council tried to do years ago and and was pretty much and the city tried to do years ago but was pretty much stopped from doing that but then legalizing le- totally legalizing things like heroin cocaine and in particular meth is probably not a great idea well it's pretty hard to do uh, at a city level as well yeah exactly when when they remain controlled substances at the federal level exactly so then in District 7, um, Andrew Lewis's district and, and my district, Isabel Kerner d- announced that she's running again. She ran for the open seat in District 7 in 2019, but didn't make it through the primary. And honestly, I don't expect that she will uh, make it through the primary this year unless no one else runs against Lewis. And uh, I think and I think you can bet that the Downtown Business Association is looking for someone really good to run against Andrew Lewis. So I don't think she will be the only other person 
in the, in that race, but you never know. Um, several other candidates filed this week, but they don't have websites yet and they don't have any prior campaigning history. So I don't know anything about them yet. I didn't see much on them in, in social media either. So there's still nearly three months for more candidates to enter the race. The deadline for filing is May 19th. And the primary is August 1st this year. So there will only be about two and a half months between the filing deadline and the primary. So I would expect that candidates should be jumping into the race within the next month. And we and, should, should and start seeing campaigning. Yeah, and bear in mind that there are four open seats that people are going to be campaigning for. So mm-hmm. those those seats alone will probably draw upwards of a dozen people in the primaries. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they're going to be crowded. We've already seen a lot of people uh, jump into the District 3 race, and I'm expecting the other open seats will draw a lot of folks, too. Also, uh, this week, I received my democracy vouchers in the mail. The city has about $5.25 million to fund the voucher program this year. So if you've received your democracy vouchers and you know a candidate that you like, uh, don't wait too long to give them your democracy vouchers or that 5.25 million will go to other candidates. So just saying. And for, uh, for candidates, especially candidates who aren't as well known, getting the democracy vouchers early is tremendously helpful. It is. Because, it, because they can leverage it into additional fundraising. Mm-hmm. And that, that in turn allows them to get more name familiarity. It allows them to, it allows them to hire staff. Hiring staff helps them get volunteers working for them. It also can help them get up to speed on the issues a lot faster. And so then they're ready when it comes to public forums to, to speak on the issues and answer questions. So getting that funding early is really, really helpful. Yeah. Although, you know, being up to speed on the issues, you don't need that in order to get elected. Sarah Nelson proved that. <laughs> True. All right. Moving on, but sticking with the city council news uh, that uh, took place this week. Yeah, six uh, sur- those six surveillance bills uh, were heard in Sarah Nelson's Economic Development, Technology and City Light Committee, and they passed with uh, amendments attached to the bills. Uh, by Lisa Herbold. All of the amendments were attached by Lisa Herbold. There were two attached to each of the six bills that were the same, pretty much the same amendment. The first of those was to request that the SPD work with the Office of the Inspector General to develop an audit log and equity metrics for the annual equity assessment of each of these systems. Um, and that's really to ensure that there's some oversight and some uh, reporting to the Office of Inspector General that then the public has eyes on how these systems are being used. Now, the other amendment requests that the SPD develop a policy to allow youth to consent and receive legal counsel before a search or other similar system is used in their case. And I think that uh, this was to make these bills conform to a recent state law that passed, I think it was just last year, giving uh, youth the right to have legal uh, representation before uh, they're, they're questioned or before they're searched by, by uh, law enforcement. Now, Herbold proposed additional amendments to the remotely operated vehicle bill three additional amendments. One was that the SPD develop a policy requiring data that's not used in an investigation to be deleted after 90 days. She then initially proposed 
that it be deleted immediately. But then the state law requires that data be kept for 90 days. So she changed the amendment to 90 days. The second is that the SPD develop a policy prohibiting the use of cell phones to record the live stream from a remotely operated vehicle. I think I would think that is uh, largely to keep everything uh, largely to protect the privacy of whatever privacy of people who are shown on on the video from those remotely operated vehicles. And the and then the third amendment is that the SPD develop a policy that prohibits remotely operated vehicles from deploying weapons. Now, all six of the surveillance bills passed the committee as amended. Wait a minute. Doesn't SPD have remotely operated vehicles that deploy weapons? No, they said they don't. I don't believe them. Yeah. Um, All six bills passed the committee as amended with all three members voting for them. Sarah Nelson, Lisa Herbold and Dan Strauss. The amendments all passed, too. But there was one amendment that Sarah Nelson voted against, and that was the amendment requiring data pulled from remotely operated vehicles that's not used in an investigation to be deleted after 90 days. Okay. At one point, Nelson uh, looked up and she asked, how how is data determined to be useful in an investigation, which caused Lisa Herbold to laugh and and the SPD rep <laughs> and the SPD rep to gently inform Sarah Nelson that that's essentially what the police department does as part of their day to day job. They determine what data is useful in an investigation. Wow. Okay, and he also said that the SPD has no objection had no objection to that amendment, and yet Nelson voted no anyway to retain so, data indefinitely. So is she aware that SPD is the Seattle Police Department rather than Seattle Parks Department? I, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, and I should point out too that the other two members of the committee were absent. It was only the three, uh, Nelson, Herbold, and Dan Strauss who were who were at the meeting. Deborah Juarez was absent and Shama Sawant was absent. So I just want to say, too, uh, if you're disappointed that the committee didn't uh, further amend these bills or strengthen them, um, keep in mind that these devices and technologies are all currently in use at the SPD. And the council, or at least Nelson's committee, doesn't want to micromanage. And the council has said that they don't want to – council members have said they don't want to micromanage the Seattle Police Department or tell them how to do their job. The bills and amendments are advisory. Basically, they're trying to get the Seattle Police Department to institute some policies on oversight and responsible management of these surveillance systems and to do an annual assessment of these technologies. So so wait, these aren't even requirements? No, they're not. They're not requirements. They're advisory. Okay, They're, they're, they're requests that the Seattle Police Department put these policies in place. When now, has the Seattle Police Department ever been responsive to requests from city well, council? Well, the, the thing is, is you make the request. You see, if you're not going to micromanage the Seattle Police Department, right, you make the request as a matter of, of best practice, right? And then if it's not implemented... Then you start talking and and there are uh, fallouts and complaints from the public about these surveillance systems. Then you can start looking at, you know, if these fu- if these issues arise in the future, then you can start looking at perhaps mandating that there be more strict oversight or more strict so controls. 
So haven't we been going through a consent <laughs> decree for the last decade? Yes. That has that's, to do with micromanaging the Seattle Police Department well, because they don't believe in public accountability? Well, that's part of why the city council is trying to be careful, because they tried to mandate that the Seattle Police Department give up crowd con- certain crowd control weapons. And then the court and then the 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 judge who oversees the consent decree basically told them, no, you can't do that because some of these systems are mentioned within the consent decree. Well, so I would, the council I would, has, I would, to, has to tread carefully. I would do in this kind of work. I would rather they um, overshoot like that mm-hmm. than they issue recommendations. The recommendations are ignored. Damage ensues. Lawsuits ensue. And then you've got to go back and pay to clean up all those messes and try to mandate something. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you on that. And I feel that way as well. However, it, when you're a city council member... You know, and you're subject to people who are on the other side of the political spectrum saying you did this, you did that. And the court threw it out. Right. You pass this this bill and the court threw it out. And then there's nothing governing the SPD's use of in, you know, for example, crowd control weapons. Or in this case, if these bills don't pass the city council, there's nothing in place governing the use of these surveillance systems, then, you know, it's the same as if you didn't as if you didn't address it in the first place. Well, there's nothing governing them now, right? Because exactly all that was issued is advisory opinions that SPD can ignore. Well, well, the advisory positions are in place. Okay, I'm going to say it again, what I said before. The advisory positions are in place. The city council is taking a stance that these are best practices that they want the Seattle Police Department to do. And if the Seattle Police Department doesn't do them, then that's an issue with the SPD. It's not an issue with the council, per se, if the council had not passed any bills at all and ignored it, or if they passed a bill that would then get legally thrown out. So... It's a little bit of a catch-22, but that's kind of how I think how it's working. So. All right. Let's uh, move on and squeeze. We've got just enough time to squeeze one more item in. Uh, Bob Ferguson. Yeah. Um, uh, Bob Ferguson and the attorneys general of 11 other states uh, this week announced a lawsuit um, uh, to try and force uh, the country to um, – uh, to protect the use of uh, uh, mifeprestone. That's the most common of the uh, medication-based uh, uh, abortion alternatives in the United States. Over half of all uh, abortions in the U.S. are done with uh, mifeprestone. And we're expecting any day now a Trump-appointed federal judge in Texas to rule based on the entire country that uh, mifeprestone is um, uh, illegal because uh, the FDA, uh, with 23 years worth of data since it was first approved, uh, has not uh, vetted it enough. Uh, Now, if this seems like an overly, um, uh, say, political ruling on behalf of the court, it is. And the idea is that it will be appealed to the Fifth Circuit, 
uh, which is where Texas is. That's the most conservative circuit in the country. And from there, it would go to the Supreme Court if there is an opposing ruling, which there would be likely to be as a result of the Ferguson lawsuit, which is based in Washington state, which is the Ninth Circuit, which is one of the more liberal circuits in the country. So the idea is to try and uh, force this impasse to go to the Supreme Court uh, and at least delay the inevitable Supreme Court ruling that medication-based abortions are, in fact, illegal across the U.S. Um, it's a, a staggering intrusion on the uh, right, reproductive health rights of women across the country. And, um, you know, this is a, this is a thing. This is undergoing. So, uh, ongoing, I should say. So that ruling in Texas is likely to be a major news item next week. And, uh, we'll pay attention to it. But, uh, kudos for, to Attorney General Ferguson for trying to get out ahead of this and filing a, a, a counter lawsuit that, uh, that can at least force this to go to the higher courts. Okay. Well, with that, it's about all the time we've got for this week. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we try and squeeze in a, a good news item every week. Okay. I'm not sure where that good news item <laughs> came this week. <laughs> uh, 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 Bruce, Bruce Harrell isn't still talking. That's <laughs> All right, we'll talk we'll, with you. We'll, we'll try to do better next week. Yeah. All right, talk to you then.